This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Brian Chaffin from the Mac Observer. We'll also hear from the Appleholic himself, Johnny Evans of Computer World. We'll cover the Apple IBM deal and also the fact that Microsoft is going to fire 14% of their employees. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer joining us. We've got a lot of hard news to cover. And I'll give you all a hint of what's happening here. So we have one day where Apple and IBM announce a new partnership where Apple supplies the hardware, of course, and IBM is going to provide new iOS apps and enterprise-level support, that sort of thing, a deal that's been in the making, I understand, for two years. And then a day or two later, as predicted, Microsoft is shedding lots and lots of people. And maybe we'll cover that first. Because that is also, I regard, as a human tragedy, especially the way the media covers it, because they look at the dollars, the cents, the numbers. But imagine 18,000 people are going to be dismissed from Microsoft. 18,000 people. After the severance runs out, they've got families to feed, mortgages to pay. What do you think about all this, Brian? It's true. Layoffs are always... Always a, a human tragedy. This particular set of layoffs can be laid squarely at the feet of my old friend, Steve Ballmer. You're absolutely right. Uh, any, any set of layoffs is a, is a human tra- tragedy, as you said. And I think that um, yeah, I kind of want to I, I lay a lot of blame. I want to lay all the blame at Steve Ballmer's feet in particular You've got the 12,500 people of these 18,000 people that are going to be laid off, and that's, that's how many it will be, that are Nokia employees. And the, the Microsoft buying Nokia is just – it, it was a mistake. It was pointless. It's going to end up being one of the great business blunders of, of this decade, I think. Well, let's look at this here. Nokia had 30,000 employees. This is the handset division that Microsoft bought for $7.2 billion. So you're throwing out 12,500 of them. I mean, didn't anybody think of this in advance? Gee, we've got to get rid of all these people first. You know, I'm sure they did. And the reality is that Nokia made its mistake was getting into bed with Microsoft in the first place. Windows Phone is such a dead end at this point, and it was quite frankly when uh, both when Microsoft bought them and even going further back when uh, Nokia first started dedicating itself to making Windows Phone handsets. Uh, Nokia would have been much as much as I dislike Android. Nokia would have been so much better off if it had adopted Android or even forked Android instead of going with uh, Microsoft and Windows Phone. It's just so, this whole thing was just so preventable, so unnecessary. And it's 
awful for the people that are involved. You know, of course, that Nokia does produce an Android phone, but of course, that's going to go by the wayside. By the way, if you're using your calculators, that's over 41% of the workforce. That means 41 and a half some odd out of every 100 people working at Nokia are going to go bye-bye. And the other aspect of this is who are the people that are going to be laid off that are in Microsoft proper? And my fear, not my, yeah, my, my fear is that it won't be the right people because they should be sales and marketing folks. You know, Microsoft needs to, you know, 30% of Microsoft's staff are sales and marketing. And I think we've discussed this on the show before, Gene. When you have a product company that's taken over by sales and marketing, innovation goes by the wayside because everybody becomes very interested in protecting their turf and protecting the cash cows. And that it, Microsoft is the poster child for this reality. I think that if uh, Satya Nadella wants to make significant changes at Microsoft, he has got to strike at the culture of sales and marketing being so important at that company. So Not- if the people being fired, all 18,000, a hefty number of those people are in sales or marketing, wouldn't that accomplish some of that? It would, but they're but they but they're not. I mean, you know, twelve thousand five hundred of them are coming from from Nokia, not from Microsoft's internal sales and marketing department. They're engineers, uh, for example, yeah. engineers and designers and and uh, support staff for for uh, for hardware. And just you know, Microsoft. I I would love for Microsoft to adopt a whole widget model and go head to head with Apple with a whole widget model. But they didn't. They bought this handset company, and they're going to make their their own hardware, but they're still going to let people license their various operating systems. I mean, it's just it, – this company has been a mess, and Satya Nadella has so much to clean up. He at least has indicated an interest and willingness to make significant changes at the company, and uh, I, I, I think that these layoffs are probably – only a only a first step uh, and one that'll be with many more needed steps to come. Well, perhaps the first step he could have made was to find a way to undo that deal. Unfortunately, it was probably too late by it the time he took over. So yeah. it's not something that was easily done. But he came out with this 3,100-word memo, which I presume was to express Microsoft's vision. And you couldn't get very much out of it because it doesn't seem to me as if he has a vision. At this point, you know, before it was going to be devices and services, now it's going to be what, productivity? I don't see a cogent vision there. In the meantime, somebody in the media took the 3,100 words from Nadella and compared them to like 160 words or so from Tim Cook, where he does present a pretty straightforward vision consistent with Apple's goals. Well, Satya Nadella is probably, I mean, okay. We're still really early in his tenure, and we didn't know a lot about him before he uh, ascended to CEO at, at Microsoft. So, you know, th- there are a lot of unknowns about this guy. My supposition, though, is that he's not a Tim Cook, and, you know, only time will tell. But he did, at least in this 3,100 word memo, <laughs> It's just really long for a memo. Microsoft does bloated software, so we assume the memos are also bloated. Uh, and apparently they are. You were saying? That at least he, he indicated a willingness to change. And going from uh, devices and services, isn't that right? 
I can pull that up yes. if we need to. But going from devices and services to productivity and whatever the other word that he used from productivity, at least shows that he's not planning on sticking with Steve Ballmer's failed vision, at least. That's important. At least. Yeah. It, it, it shows he, – he's, he's demonstrating – a, a willingness and desire to change. I just, I, you know, you gotta, you, you, he's also wanting to cut out the number of people who make decisions. And I think that that's a, that's a fantastic, a fantastic move, especially, and this is hugely important, especially if those who remain, who do have the power to make decisions, have the power to say no that's something that's been missing at Microsoft for decades, and it's something they need to bring into the culture in order to become a center of innovation or even a center of evolution. Well, I hope that something happens out of this. It's not going to be, well, let's get rid of the people we don't need and then figure out what to do with the rest, because that's not going to go anywhere. And certainly the introduction of the Surface 3 did not make me feel warm and fuzzy towards Nadella, though conceivably that was in the pipeline before he came aboard as CEO. And then, of course, we have Windows 9, which is due sometime in the early part of 2015. The question would be then, is Windows 9 the answer or the subject of more confusion? And we're going to have a lot more about that in our next segment. We'll also talk about this new deal between Apple and IBM and I think why the media is getting it wrong or some elements of the media and a certain very well-known industry analyst a lot more to come with Brian Schaffen of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. You're in the Tech Night Out Live with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're talking about Microsoft's decision to unload 14% of its workforce, including over 41% of the newly acquired Nokia division. So the question here is, looking at what Microsoft has shown so far, we've got the Surface 3, which supposedly, I guess, is designed to compete with the MacBook Air, only it actually costs more. Yeah, they're they're still missing it. And this is the biggest thing about Satya Nadella's 3,100-word memo that utterly failed for me. And that's where he talked about how people want to be able to – like he actually – like they, they want to be able to snap a keyboard to one side and use it as a tablet and, you know, snap it to another side and use it as a, as a, as a notebook. He's wrong. Well, I've, I want to know who he interviewed to get that impression. Do, well, I mean, if you just pick some generic Windows user out in the street and you say, hey, what if you could snap it this way and snap it that way and get your keyboard and not get your keyboard and look at the kickstand. By the way, it's got Skype on it. They'd say what? I suspect that he was towing the line 
set forth by Steve Ballmer while he works at getting a new implementation, a new a new direction for uh, for this stuff out there. Because uh, you know, I, I I've said this so many times. If Microsoft looks at the success of the iPad and concludes from that that what people really want is a keyboard, they're doing it wrong. And everything he said about the Surface 3 is an extension of that same old nonsense that Microsoft has been spouting about uh, about tablets and about how people really want one device to do two things. I mean, it's, they're missing the boat on this. And I, I really do hope that this was just a placeholder him just towing that line until uh, he can put something, put a better vision, better strategy in place. Now, let's contrast that to when Steve Jobs took over at Apple. As I, CEO or interim CEO, in 1997, he cut back products right and left. Maybe the moves were savage at the time, but he tightened the focus to get things to move forward. He acted quickly. Of course, Apple was possibly months away from disappearing, so maybe he didn't have a choice. At the same point, Apple being very successful when Tim Cook took over, there were changes, but they were gradual. You know, every few months he would do this, he'd do that. We split the stock. He had the stock buyback. He did different things that indicated changes to make the company that is in his image. But so far, Nadella has just been writing memos and firing people we don't see that he's changed anything yet. To be fair, one of Steve Jobs' most mercenary and ruthless actions when he came back to Apple was advising – oh, my goodness. What was the CEO? Emilio. Emilio. Thank you. Gil, Gil Emilio. Emilio. I mean, the guy was so <laughs> insignificant in Apple's future, we forget him. But that's not true because it, he, it got, not true. he got Jobs back there. He not only got Jobs, Steve Jobs back and, and, and bought Next and had that vision to do that, Steve advised him to fire thousands of people at Apple. And those firings or layoffs, I forget if, it was, uh, if they were fired, if they were laid off at the time. But those employee reductions were done by Gil Emilio and Steve Jobs was not saddled with them by the outside, by the, by the outside world, by the media. And that was a stunningly ruthless way to go about it. He let Gil do his dirty work so that when he turned around and did his coup, got Gil kicked out and got himself put in as ICEO, Apple was a lean, mean machine that Steve was then able to much better control and, and shift. Smarter tactician. But we understand, again, when you deal with a company that's really suffering, that's on maybe its last legs, they probably have little choice but the fire people. But with Microsoft, they're firing people because they made stupid moves. Yeah, Microsoft isn't a company in trouble. Microsoft actually made a lot of money under Steve Ballmer. The problem is that that money was made at the expense of innovation and change. You know, Microsoft has clung to Windows, clung to the paradigms that brought the company to preeminence uh, or even to eminence. And we're not able to embrace new paradigms, pursue Nick Tide, like like canceling Courier because it, th it wasn't Windows, because it, it threatened that Windows everywhere kind of thing. I mean, th these were terrible mistakes. 
terrible mistakes that Bill Gates, whom I have a lot of respect for, that he 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 was partially responsible for these mistakes. And Satina Della has got a different sort of problem. Microsoft makes plenty of money, but he's got to turn this company back into uh, uh, a machine that can that can produce some kind of innovation. And it's been decades since Microsoft has done that. Well, some might say that Microsoft's innovation was stealing stuff from other people. Regardless, the company is very successful, a very single-minded approach, and now it's a mess. And let's hope that he can undo the mess. And I mentioned something in a column I wrote about this, and that is I hope that if Microsoft gets past this, fixes the problems, gets on the growth curve, maybe the people who are being fired now will have new jobs there, if they can trust Microsoft, of course. Well, I would imagine that all of the Nokia engineers are going to be able to find jobs. I mean, these, Nokia was a very successful company. Nokia's problems were really about Apple coming in and disrupting everything and changing changing the rules uh, and catching Nokia, BlackBerry, and other companies uh, uh, off guard. But the, their engineers are, are, are top quality folks. I will imagine that they'll be able to to find jobs and 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 be a okay. It's the folks that are that are in Microsoft, uh, the you know the software side of Microsoft. I think that uh, well, I'm sure they'll be able to find jobs too. Tech is is hiring. All right, we'll see how that plays out. So at the same time that Microsoft makes this announcement, their stock price went up three percent. So evidently, the market thinks it's a good move. Yeah, for people to lose their jobs. Markets, yeah, the market tends to think that. Okay, let's go back to Apple. Apple and IBM. Now, I understand here, first of all, before we get into this and how it plays out, and we'll have more to say when we talk to Johnny Evans, the Apple-holic from Computer World later on in the show. But right now, Apple has had previous deals with IBM in the 90s. Of course, yeah. one of the most famous deals involving Apple, Motorola, and IBM was the Power PC. The AIM Alliance. Right. But that, you know, it did well for a while and then it kind of petered out because Apple was the only consumer other than embedded devices to use the Power PC and they weren't getting the chips they needed. Well, and but Apple wasn't selling the number of Macs it needed to make it worth IBM and Motorola's while to do so. And then of course there was the entire cloning fiasco, which both IBM and Motorola had a lot invested in. So, you know, the, the, there were lots of things that were going on there. But the reality is that the Mac platform was not big enough to sustain development of best-in-class processors, as, as difficult as that was for us to accept at the time. We have to accept these announcements next. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hootia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
On the Tech Night Dial Live, I'm Gene Steinberg. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer. We're talking about this latest alliance between Apple and IBM. Of course, with Apple, they were able to go to Intel and buy basically off-the-shelf chips. Already available for your PC, but Apple made it possible for Macs to run them. So it wasn't a really difficult thing for Intel to do to work with Apple. They just got another customer for their parts. But then Apple, of course, is at the mercy of Intel now. If they don't get their chips out on time, Apple suffers. Such an example is the Broadwell chips. But we're not talking about Intel. We're talking about Apple and IBM. Supposedly, this deal is two years in the making. We know that at one time, Tim Cook worked with IBM. So what's this deal all about? This deal is about mobile enterprise or enterprise in the mobile market. So what Apple is going to be doing is giving IBM access to its APIs, letting IBM sell iPhones and iPads, which is kind of the big deal, and letting IBM be in charge of providing enterprise infrastructure, you know, which is where IBM makes a lot of its money. I, you know, IBM sells really, really, really high-end, uh, you know, supercomputers, but IBM provides a vast array of uh, services to the enterprise market in addition to doing lots of software. Those services are where IBM and Apple are going to work together. IBM is going to be supporting the iPhone with its uh, services and, and support. And uh, really what they're doing is, here's what I love about this deal. It lets Apple make great hardware which Apple is really good at. And it lets Apple make great software, which is what Apple is really good at. And it lets IBM handle supplying the things that enterprise needs, which Apple is terrible at. And that's why I like it. Basically, the enterprise has been an alien creature to Apple. And the only reason things have changed is because businesses bought iPhones and iPads And Apple did things to make them secure for the business world. So this is like a natural growth, isn't it? It is a natural growth. It, it, I think it's it's going to be really good for uh, both companies. It actually, what I what I really think is this: is Android can kiss the enterprise market goodbye for the foreseeable future. You know, at this point, enterprise is going to be owned by Apple and IBM, and maybe Windows Phone and Microsoft. And maybe still with BlackBerry uh, hanging in there because BlackBerry does still do some things that are really, really good for enterprise, especially uh, uh, BlackBerry Messenger and uh, their support for Exchange. Well, that's a key thing here. It is suggested here that BlackBerry will suffer the most because a lot of these businesses will be getting the IBM salesperson there pushing iPhones, iPads. Yeah. So when it comes time to upgrade They're not going to buy another BlackBerry. They'll say, you know what? We'll buy that because remember that the BlackBerry Messenger is available on other platforms. It is true. And and, and another aspect of this is that, that, you know, that sort of fool me once, shame on uh, uh, you, fool me twice, shame on me. CIOs and CTOs and other people that deal with technology at the C-suite level learned long ago that they can't trust Apple. But they can trust IBM. And that's what the message is. And Apple is going to let IBM do the do. 
and that's uh, that's going. To, it's just it's going to be a good thing. Apple is going to end up owning enterprise for mobile, and which is just fascinating. Just fascinating when you look at how the the, the role that enterprise has traditionally played within Apple's ecosystem. Now it's very interesting here that Gene Munster of Piper Jaffray, and he's one of the prestigious industry analyst who gets admitted or heard on the Apple conference call, the one they do with analysts every quarter when they announce their financial results. He says, well, it's not going to make much of a difference. And I'm thinking here, IBM has, what, 100,000 representatives, salespeople, engineers, people who are designed to market their products and services. And they're all walking into these businesses saying, Here's the software we've designed for iOS. These are the services we provide. You get 24-7 Apple Care support. Now you can order boxes and boxes of iPhones and iPads and be assured you're getting IBM to stand behind it. You don't think they're not going to sell millions of copies of each Apple? Yeah, the, I mean, I, Gene's point was that Apple already sells a lot of iPhones and that Apple also already sells a lot of iPhones and, and iPads, actually, to enterprise. Some 98% of uh, Fortune 500 companies are either testing or have implemented iPhones and iPads. And his math was that if each one of the Fortune 500 bought an average of 2,000 iPhones and iPads, that, that it would, I think, add something like a half percent to, uh, to Apple's bottom line. He's missing a lot of things here. Number one is... If a company is testing an iPhone or an iPad, they may have just a handful. Maybe they'll buy a couple of dozen to test. We don't know how many units these companies have bought and how many smartphones and tablets they need. We also have to realize it's not just the global 500 or the Fortune 500. It's hundreds of thousands of companies around the world who have IT departments who are going to equip them with smartphones and tablets. There are a lot of customers there. To be served. There are a lot of customers to be served, and I and I think that the the Gene was uncharacteristically pessimistic. He he's known as an Apple cheerleader, and he's known for being uh, sometimes wildly optimistic about Apple's uh, possibilities. He's also, of course, known for being like the biggest fan of an Apple TV the the in the world. But there is a lot of opportunity here for Apple, but there's more opportunity that doesn't necessarily translate directly into unit sales, and that is. Like I said, Android can kiss Enterprise goodbye. So this, this cements Apple's place there. Well, famously, there was this executive from Google who said that security basically didn't matter to them. And now, of course, Google has adopted the Samsung security scheme. I guess they're trying to work with Samsung to sell to the enterprise. And there is enterprise penetration with Samsung. But basically, Apple's going to overwhelm them here. They have to. Yeah. Samsung is a joke. Uh, Samsung, uh, as I've said many times, has got delusions of software relevance. Uh, Samsung's ability to get devices into enterprise is going to be a big donata. And nothing, nothing is going to amount to that whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I think that, that we're pretty much seeing Samsung waning uh, as other companies like Xiaomi – uh, 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 come up and, uh, and usurp Samsung's current dominance of the Android platform. Let's look at this because in recent months, Samsung is warned of lower earnings, lower revenue, and they blame it, of course, on being hit at the low end by even cheaper smartphones. 
particularly in Asia. And on the high end, of course, Apple. Because despite everything, the aging iPhone 5S is outselling the Samsung Galaxy S5, which has not done nearly what Samsung had hoped for. Yeah. Yeah, because... You know, look, Samsung is the poster child of a company that got lucky. They got really, you know, when 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 the iPhone came out, Samsung had no penetration in the smartphone market whatsoever. They were selling lots and lots and lots of feature phones, a lot of feature phones. They definitely were very successful in the feature phone market. And then Apple came and rewrote all the rules with the iPhone. And for the first year and a half, two years of the iPhone, Samsung was a bit player. And... During that time, they set about, as we know now, as been has been established by uh, court fights, they set about to deliberately copy the iPhone, copy all the features that made the iPhone so much better than uh, their devices, including look and feel and including industrial design. And then, then Samsung stumbled upon the reality because, you know, Samsung does this thing where they, they throw about a jillion models at the market to see what sticks. Well, and we're going to see what stuck and what didn't stick in our next segment. So we're not going to stick it to you. We're just going to present some important announcements. We have Ryan Chaffin of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. <laughs> minds think alike the network for the independent minded the genesis communications network gcn graphic converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us it does not use any database you get full control of all your files want to view the images of a folder drag it into graphic converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files you could use it for slideshows you could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners need to do some image editing you can do that too in graphic converter also print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturing. If you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Whoa! This is big! 
Not just big, it's the Freeze Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale. This month, save 30 to 45% off on number 10 cans of high quality Mountain House freeze dried foods from the Freeze Dry Guy. Factory fresh stock just arrived, so now is the time to stock up with the finest, best tasting, longest proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45% off. But hurry, supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand. Call 866-404-3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry, the giant factory authorized Mountain House sale is going on now. Only from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're You're fired. fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So Samsung's playbook has been to take someone else's product design or innovation and come up with their own imitation of that innovation. So Brian Chaffin... Apple certainly wouldn't want to let them get away with that. Well, and and they did. Apple did its best to not let Samsung get away. But Samsung uses this imitation and delay install tactics when it when it comes to paying the piper. Samsung uses those techniques to to get a foothold in the market. But most of uh, Samsung's massive success in the smartphone market then came from its embracing of large screens before anyone else was doing large screens. They got lucky. They, they, they hit something that Apple wasn't doing, that Apple was years away from apparently doing. And uh, it resonated with the marketplace and people bought their devices. But the reality is, is that no one cares. And the other reality is that once Apple does a large screen device, which we're expecting this fall, that Samsung's one single advantage in this market goes away. It goes away, and that's what we're, we're seeing. We're seeing the precursor to that, now, to that now as people wait for Apple's large screen device and as people are just not excited about what Samsung's doing because Samsung doesn't control the software. They don't, they don't control the ecosystem. Their efforts to do either 
have been jokes at best, and uh, we're seeing the results in lackluster sales. Well, look, for example, on the fingerprint sensor that they have for the Samsung Galaxy S5. So instead of tapping it, you got to kind of swipe it in a certain way. And if you don't, it doesn't work. But even worse, you had people like Walt Mossberg at Recode. You had the guy from the New York Times who reviewed their product, and they said the fingerprint sensor is just no good. So one of the key 10-pole features of Samsung's new smartphone is non-functional, yep. or mostly non-functional. So already we know that Touch ID on the iPhone 5S is not perfect, but for most people, it works. And at least Apple makes it better with every iOS update. Samsung, what's their excuse? What's their excuse for the Galaxy S4 with loads of features that barely worked? They didn't. They didn't. They didn't have an excuse. I mean, they're just. You know, they say Samsung says that they're gonna that they're gonna keep trying to make great innovative products, but they don't have any foundation to do so. Keep Samsung's, trying. When are they gonna start? Uh, well, that <laughs> that is a very good question. We are seeing Samsung's cyclical downturn. They rose up. They got lucky. They were at the right place at the right time with the right product. They did well within the Android ecosystem. They sell, still sell tons and tons of Android devices that don't make anyone any money. And we're starting to see their downturn. We're going to see other companies coming up. And I think, again, Xiaomi from uh, China is going to be one of the bigger ones. But they'll have their day in the sun, too, and then they'll fade. This is going to be – you know, we saw this for, de for decades in the PC industry. Companies rise, companies fall, companies rise, companies fall, and there's Microsoft the whole time. Just, you know, chugging along. The hardware makers don't matter. That's what, that's what we're seeing in the Android space, too. The hardware makers don't matter because it might as well be anybody making the hardware. And Google tried to make the hardware, and that didn't work. Nope. People who think that Google owns the world forget that, that Google has no history of success with hardware. Google Glass, what, a few thousand people have a beta product that may or may not ever be released. That's not success. They bought Nest. They can sell fancy thermostats. Where's that going to go? Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll probably have some success with Nest. They'll have some success with Nest, especially, <laughs> especially if Nest ends up embracing uh, uh, Apple's HomeKit. <laughs> Which I don't think is going to happen. They'd have to be dread kicking and screaming not that tony fidel at nest wouldn't want to but it's probably not going to happen because i don't google know google does a, google does a great job of trying to play everywhere you know they make most of their mobile money comes from ios users you know they have great the the, the limitations on google's ios apps come from the fact that apple won't let them have access to the uh, to at the system level you know, things like Google Now are inferior on iOS compared to the excellence of Google Now on Android. But it's because Apple won't, won't uh, uh, allow Google Now to be everything that it could be. Apple has opened up things with iOS 8, so maybe they could do more. Yes, Apple could do more, but I don't think you would able, be able to, for instance, to replace uh, Apple's notification center with Google Now. That's deliberate. Yeah, it absolutely is deliberate. And it's now Apple's doing things to cut Google out of the equation. You know, you know, when they talk about that, the, uh, the thousand cuts. And yes. so, okay, so on 
OS 10 Yosemite, you have another search engine there, DuckDuckGo. Also, if you use, for example, Spotlight, which can perform web searches, it's using Bing. Yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, those cuts are probably going to continue. Um, which if anything, like, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, my, my guess is that Nest is going to have limited success with Android's home stuff, but that if Nest embraces HomeKit, that, that it will actually be, uh, quite successful because I, you know, my, 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 at this point, my biggest objection to Nest's, um, products, products that I happen to like is that I don't want to give Google access to my home. I'm not interested in that. But I don't think most people care about that sort of thing. Well, they don't realize, for example, what kind of controls they have over at Facebook. I mean, Facebook basically sees what you're doing, even if you're not on Facebook, because they've got all these app links with other products and services. Yep. So you want to dump Facebook. It's really, really hard, more so than Google. I mean, you want to get rid of Google. You don't run their apps. You don't use their search engine. Goodbye, Google. But Facebook, you know, would you like to log in with your Facebook name? It's so easy. But then Facebook has control. Well, and and Google does the same kind of tracking, much more so, as a matter of fact. I think think that Google is much better about tracking us elsewhere uh, through AdSense and AdWords. Exactly. If you go to a site that has either. You've got to set some kind of do not track me preference. It gets to be crazy. So there you go. Apple, IBM, what's going to happen to Android doesn't look so great. I'm not even impressed by Android L, which is, I guess, the elevated subway or something that Google's Uh, producing. And it's going to have a new interface and a few other enhancements, which don't seem significant. But it gets a full version number, so there you go. Yay. You sound excited over Android L. Yeah, yeah, really. I hear the excitement. You're brimming with excitement. Yeah. Or brimming with something, but not excitement. Yeah. Let's move on. So it's announced now that a new person is joining Apple as a member of the board of directors. Bill Campbell from Intuit is retiring after 17 years of service. We'll get started on the implications of that in this segment, then we'll move on with Brian Chaffin. You wrote an article about this. Tell us more. Yeah, so Sue Wagner is one of the co-founders, and she's currently a director of uh, BlackRock, which is a, a very, very Im- important, wealthy, successful uh, asset management company. Um, she brings she, – she, she's been named – she's frequently been named, actually, in various lists of the most powerful uh, women in business. Um and uh, and it's uh, she she brings some experience to to Apple that Apple hasn't had on its board, which is of course this world of asset management, and she is uh, also the second woman to join Apple's board. The first being Andrea Young, who used to be CEO of Avon but is no longer, and she's replacing one of the most important people in Silicon Valley, which is Bill Coach Campbell. Now, Coach Campbell. Obviously, he's got a stellar record, especially working with Apple. The only criticism we always have of him is the fact that at Intuit, we see Apple getting 
short shrift for years. Years. I mean, famously, when new versions of Quicken are announced on the Windows platform, they don't come on the Mac. I mean, so we don't feel warm and fuzzy towards Intuit. But we will feel warm and fuzzy towards these people who have messages for you to hear. We have Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer for a segment or two more. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're discussing Bill Campbell. At 73, he's retiring as a board member of Apple. Brian Chaffin, does that mean he's also leaving into it? Um, I don't. He hasn't announced uh, leaving it into it. Uh, I, I have no idea what his other plans are. I would imagine that he would be announcing these things one company at a time. Um, but he is leaving Apple, and that, that's a blow to Apple. Bill Campbell is one of the most important figures in Silicon Valley. You know, he's called coach not only because he used to be a coach, uh, but because he has been everybody's coach. Everybody wants his advice. His advice is highly 
valued. It's highly sought after. And that includes uh, uh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had an enormous amount of respect for this man. And and so did uh, Tim Cook. Uh, he has worked with both of these people. He has been an instrumental part of Apple's ascension from, you know, going from a near-death company, a company on death's door, seemingly, in the late 90s, to, as I wrote in my article, to today's technology overlord. And uh, Bill Campbell was a big part of that. And I have Sue, Sue Wagner is going to bring a lot to Apple. But Bill Campbell is going to be hard to replace. Now, famously, she's the second woman on the board of directors. Yes, second woman. Second Andrea woman. Now, is there any diversity one. issue there where people say, well, heck, you should have half women? Or does it even matter? Yeah, I think I actually I called this. So in, uh, on July 7th, the Wall Street Journal cited some unnamed sources who said that, that uh, Tim Cook was uh, actively seeking um, uh, expansion of uh, uh, new candidates for, for Apple's board of directors. Now, we don't know if that was just to replace Bill Campbell or if he's actually looking to expand uh, the board because – at eight members, Apple's board is tiny, especially for a company as big as Apple. You know, Steve Jobs built the board not so much to advise Apple, but, you know, Steve Jobs built a board that, that would largely do what he wanted. Uh, along with that comes, you know, a, a small board because it's easier to control that way. And I, I think, you know, you look at, like, I think Microsoft has got, I don't know, 14 or 16 people, uh, um, Google has 10. I did a, I did a piece on this. Uh, uh, companies like Ford, Ford's got 16. Microsoft has a dozen. You know, just eight members on Apple's board is just tiny. There's a lot of work for board members to do. So we don't know if, if, the, if Tim is going to continue to add people, but I said at the time that I expected him to use any opportunity of adding to the board to bring more diversity to that board. And lo and behold, the first person he adds is a woman. I think that that's good for Apple. It brings uh, you know, both her professional experience as well as the fact that she is a woman brings more and different perspective to Apple, and that's a good thing. Now, how does it work with Apple if they decide, okay, we have eight board members, let's go to nine. Let's start slow. Mm -hmm. Do they have to have a board vote? Does the CEO say, yes, it's going to be nine? Yeah, the, the, board, the board votes, uh, and then it eventually has to be approved by shareholders. Certainly, at the very least, shareholders have to uh, approve their, their next term on the board. So this is something that would happen like next year. So there's going to be Correct. nine or 10 or 11, whatever. That change would be made at the next shareholders meeting. Well, I got to be honest. I, I don't know if Apple can expand the board without. I, I I don't think Apple needs shareholders' approval to expand the board. I think what Apple is going, what what, it, what the way Apple's bylaws are set up, they would just need shareholders' approval to keep the board members that they add. All right, we have to see how that works, how it plays out. A fascinating announcement. So let's see with the departure of Coach, whether the new person brings a different picture to the company. But this is part of what Tim Cook has done, which is that today's Apple is not quite the Apple that Steve Jobs left him in 2011. He's really put his own stamp on this company. He really ha he, he has been in so many different ways. He made a point of talking about how Steve Jobs told him to never ask yourself the question of what would I do? You know, just that needs to just go away. Don't be like the Disney company. Exactly. What Don't would Walt Disney do? And that company really languished for a long time because 
they didn't look to the future because how would you even know what Steve Jobs would do in the basis of changing industry trends, new product categories? I mean, you can't sit there and wonder what his decision would be. But also, it's also true that some of the decisions that were made may have been in the works when Jobs was still there. It's true. That's absolutely true. Certainly, some of the products you're seeing now would have been in early development stages then, but it's still up to Tim Cook to say yay or nay. It's up to Tim Cook to to control the development direction. You know, once the products uh, you know, are under his control, the iWatch that's being um, that we expect to be released this fall, there is to me zero doubt that uh, Steve Jobs was that this product was was envisioned when Steve Jobs was. Uh, still with us and that he uh, gave his blessing to it. But its overall control has been firmly under Tim Cook's hands for almost three years now. So, you know, this is going to be the this is going to be the product that has the most Tim Cook stamp on it that, that of any product that Apple has released since Steve Jobs died. But it's it's still not going to be 100 percent Tim Cook. Well, part of it is here is that there's still this belief he knows nothing about products. He's just a supply chain wonk. And why does he do this? And you can see he's got an iron fist and really controls that place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Steve Jobs knew that. And remember, we seem to forget this. Remember, when Steve Jobs took a sick leave, who ran the company? For months of the time, it was Tim Cook. That's right. He was getting his shakedown crews. Absolutely. And we're also seeing uh, you know, Tim is remaking the company not just in terms of you know the board or policies like finally like matching um, charitable contributions from employees, not just from uh, allowing developers to actually talk about publicly available beta releases. You know, th- there are all sorts of little policy changes that 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 Tim Cook has been bringing to bear at Apple. But there is also the fact that Tim Cook is bringing in much different executives. He's bringing in executives from outside of the technology world. He's bringing in a, 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 a executives from, you know, from, from fashion, Miss Angela Arantz, who's running Apple Retail now. He, he obviously bought Beats in order to get Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine on board. Um, he has been hiring lots of people at, the, at slightly lower levels too, who, again, they're culturally aware and they come from outside of technology. And he's, he, these are going to have major impacts on Apple going forward. So obviously he does have a vision and we're seeing it play out. I think so. Yes. Very clear vision. It's not the same vision that Steve Jobs had, or maybe it's keeping with that vision, but simply moving it in what he feels is the natural direction. Maybe not the natural direction any other executive would have picked, but that's the point. Yeah, I think so. So we got to see where that's going to go. Speaking of the iWatch, we're starting to see now more and more suggestions of the form it may take. But, you know, there's already something like an almost iWatch in Apple's line now. You take an iPod shuffle and stick a wristband on it, and you have... A rudimentary iWatch, don't you? Yeah, Very rudimentary. No. Now you have, I mean, the, the big thing about the iWatch is going to be not only its form factor, which no doubt will not be an iPod Nano with a, you know, with a 
band attached to it. Obviously. It's also going to have all these you know, 10 different uh, sensors at this point we're expecting. You know, the, the, the health and fitness aspect of this device and the way it's going to, what I think is going to allow us to can, uh, to control medical information, to interact with our doctors, I think that that's going to be the big thing that the iWatch brings to the table. And that's a mess, really, how we interact with doctors now because there's no consistency. The information gathering is a mixture of computers. It's a mixture of people writing down things with pen and ink. It's really messy. Sure. Let's get, let's get back to that in a moment. With Coming up next on the show, we have Johnny Evans. He's the Apple-holic for Computer World at ComputerWorld.com. But right now, we've got one more segment with Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, proflowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 Blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from ProFlowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers. Picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to proflowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's proflowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. 
springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials, including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hoodia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observers here. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. The visions of iWatch, but also Health Kit and Home Kit, which a lot of people say will play into what the iWatch becomes. And I think more and more, for example, of the inefficiencies of today's medical system. And as some of our listeners know, my brother-in-law, Stephen, is currently undergoing treatment for pancreatic cancer. We know it's a real serious condition. We're all worried as to whether he can pull through, and we understand the odds in this particular case, and I don't want to get into that anymore in that, except the fact that even he, going to a place like the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona, he's seeing these inefficiencies in the way medical records are kept and the way they keep tabs on you and the way they handle your case. So anything that can improve that, if it could all come into a unified way, so doctor, patient, other caregivers all are on the same page, don't have to keep repeating the same thing. What are you here in the hospital for? I'm getting chemo. I'm getting an operation on my leg. Well, they actually will paint something on your leg to make sure they don't remove the leg. I mean, the medical system is a mess. Yeah, and it's not that I think that Apple is going to reshape the medical industry, but I do think that Apple is going to give users access and control over a lot of personal information that the medical industry can use and that that will end up having a disruptive and, and, and ripple effect throughout the industry. Well, think of all the time wasted just in telling each of the 15 people you see when you go to the hospital what you're there for, giving them all the same medical history. And of course, you might forget to mention something because you're repeating it so often. Maybe you're in discomfort. Just making that more efficient is number one, going to simplify process, make it cost less, and reduce the possibility of errors. Very important. Yeah, very important. I mean, just that alone could save people huge amounts of money. Of course, we think of Apple selling a lot of gear, but think about making the process of healthcare more efficient, more user-friendly. There's a lot yeah, of think about the that. effect that that could have on the economy. I can't 
I don't want to paint Apple in an overly grandiose fashion by any stretch of the imagination. I don't want to say that uh, Apple is some sort of magical company, although Apple itself uses the word magical all the time. But if we do have a sea change in the way we can uh, control and collect information about ourselves that can be given to the medical industry in a way that it can actually use that information. That's that's important, right? Just more information doesn't necessarily equal good information. But if this can happen, it could have a tremendous impact on the efficiency of the industry. And we know that healthcare spending is one of the major economic challenges facing the country. It was the reason for the Affordable Care Act to be uh, pursued for the, for the Obama administration to pursue uh, that agenda. It was because healthcare was expected to bankrupt the, com- the country within, I think, I don't know, 10 or 20 years, something like that. So I mean, th- these are all big, big picture ideas. And famously, though, the Affordable Care Act has been subject to more misinformation and controversy than you expect. It's just to help people get medical coverage if they don't have it, to try to make the process more efficient, but there's so much politics in it. It's very true. So anyway, so we look at the iWatch as not just a Dick Tracy wristwatch. It's going to be something that you can control the devices in your home, perhaps, keep tabs on your medical condition, Going to do a lot of things. Now, there was a survey, and this goes back to the possible price. I read a survey that if the price of this iWatch was like three or three fifty, a lot of people wouldn't buy it because it was too expensive. So how does Apple keep the price down? Well, you know, a survey asking what you'll pay for a device that you haven't seen yet uh, has limited value. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. It, it was an interesting survey. Who I forget who did that survey. It was an interesting survey. It, knowing what people might do before they see it has has I don't know some it, it has an interesting value, but I don't know about its absolute value. What we're really going to need to 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 know before we can answer that question is what exactly is Apple releasing? What's it look like? What does it do? And then consider the cost. Remember, also famously. The first iPod cost what three ninety nine for five well, gigabytes of storage, huh? Wasn't it four ninety nine? That was three ninety nine. You may be right. Okay, history. Let's look it up, folks. History of iPod. The first iPod had five gigabytes. It was three ninety nine. My apologies. Why such an expensive? Yeah, it'll never work. Music player. No one's going to buy it. Of course they did. So no we can't assume. Either. You see, the problem also is that people look at the iWatch or the vision of an iWatch, and all they know is the Galaxy Gear and the Pebble. They look yeah. at existing products and think Apple is going to make something in that vein. But no, this is Apple. Apple doesn't do that. Apple doesn't do that. That's a huge thing. You know, Apple approaches any individual market obliquely. So looking at the iPad, the iPad was not introduced to disrupt the tablet market. There was no tablet market. The iPad's purpose was to meet the same market demand that was being served in the PC industry by netbooks, right? The iPad was not a tablet device. It was a device intended to meet the need that other companies were trying to meet with netbooks. We don't hear about netbooks anymore. Why? Because the iPad put them out of business. Net what? Exactly. With the iWatch, 
you know, maybe Apple's purpose here is to is to tackle health and fitness, but it's not to tackle the smartwatch market because there is no smart smartwatch market. Because current smartwatches are largely for geeks at best, and for people who will soon have an appointment uh, with eBay at worst. And the point being here is that Apple's bringing in people from the fashion industry, not just health and fitness, but the fashion industry. I see an iWatch as a piece of jewelry. You'll have different price points depending on how fancy you want it to be. Yeah, and Apple recently hired um, an executive from Tag, a vice president of marketing for for Tag, that we we assume, we don't know, but we assume that he's going to be tasked with some aspect of uh, iWatch marketing. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. Do we do we actually have time to talk about the uh, luxury watch market? No, unfortunately, we have to wrap up in about fifty seconds. Maybe so, another time, and maybe another time. And I think you're somebody who has wanted to do this. Every time we want to talk about. The luxury watch market, what happens? We run out of time. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I do not have a Rolex. I have a guess watch. Fair I enough. I got it cheap at one of these discount stores, like a Ross or something like that, or one of those discount stores. So obviously a closeout. So that's my watch, and I'll live with it. I have never placed a Rolex in my priorities, although the auto magazines always have these fancy watches that imitate $2,000 watches for $99. So maybe that's what I'm going to buy if I don't get myself and i watch i don't know okay brian chaffin please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff i'm at the mac observer and i'm at geektells.com as my personal blog but you can definitely find the most of what i do at uh, macobserver.com macobserver.com brian chaffin thanks for joining us on the tech night out live great to be here gene thank you not just an alternative to the mainstream media We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, Tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. 
With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shields law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Question. Could too many GMO foods and toxins be overloading your digestive and immune systems? Answer, yes. If you're searching for a powerful detox that's gentle enough to use every day, use Pro-EM1 from Terragonics. Pro-EM1 is a powerful liquid probiotic that uses good bacteria to suppress pathogens and gently eliminate toxins from your body. A healthy digestive system will cleanse and remove toxins, support weight loss, improve absorption of food nutrients, and aid in controlling yeast and other infections. Pro-EM1 is made with only non-GMO and certified organic ingredients, has no preservatives, and is dairy, soy, wheat, and gluten-free. Pro-EM1 is the key to your digestive health. Order Pro-EM1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganix.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Also available through Amazon Prime. Pro-EM1 from Terraganix. Life's getting better. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. He's with us, tattoos and all. He's showing off his tattoos, by the way, Johnny Evans, and he looks really sinister this way. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I really am. I mean, he's always got this pleasant smile and he's laughing, but he left his webcam on. So we can see his home studio. He's got his hand in front of it right now. You see, I don't use a webcam with these shows because I do not cast a reflection. <laughs> or I don't want to scare away all the listeners. But he looks like a pleasant enough person. I understand that at night, you know, the teeth is kind of, kind of getting towards night in the UK. But the teeth kind of get longer. Oh, yeah. The hair gets a little bit scruffier. That kind of thing. All right, let's the talk beard about... The kind of gets more distinguished, I find, as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that. Let's talk about <laughs> important stuff here now. Sure. So we have, first of all, somewhat of a media disconnect, I think, with regard to the Apple-IBM deal. And we know, for example, Johnny, that even though 
obviously, IBM was the enemy in the 80s. In the 90s, Apple famously made different deals with IBM, some of which didn't. Although we can say the PowerPC alliance lasted for, what, 12, 13 years before it kind of fell by the wayside? Yes, we can. So, I mean, I think one thing that people are picking up on that is that this means that essentially Apple and IBM have had a previous relationship, which enables them to sort of build a new relationship. And that's a good thing. Um, In terms of the PowerPC Alliance, I guess the move to Intel kind of showed how successful that was. If you're incredibly critical, you might say that the subsequent sale of Motorola to Google and then to Lenovo shows perhaps where the weak part of that deal was. I don't know if that's true, though. Well, part of it also is that they started using the PowerPC chips for embedded devices. And since Apple was the only PC customer, and since Mm. their volume was not nearly as high as it is now, there was no incentive to make it more power efficient, to make it more powerful. And that was a big part of the problem. Certainly, that was part of what I think everybody, including myself, was saying at the time in that, that, you know, the the quantity of business was not that great for the Macs that were sold back in those days. Realistically, Mac sales went into overdrive on the back of the iPod and, of course, the migration to Intel chips, which really, really helped. And then along came the iPhone and the iPad. And we've just seen the sort of... um, the iPod Halo, now the iPhone Halo, continue ever, ever since. And I think Charlie Wolf at Needham, he was then, uh, was the first one to identify that was coming, and he was completely bang on. All right, let's look at the agreement between Apple and IBM. And we've already discussed some of this with mm. Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer, so <laughs> don't want to recover old ground. So let's just move on here. A couple of articles that you wrote, which probably sum up your reaction, and we can define them. So you have this piece you did on July 15th at Computer World called Apple's IBM Alliance Kills Google and the Enterprise. I think it's kind of obvious, but explain it in more detail. Well, I guess you I, I, you may want to back, I, I may want to backtrack on these words at one point in my future, but here's Google's offering to the enterprise. It offers Google Docs, it offers Google services. Google Docs are quite popular amongst SMEs because you know it's good, it's cheap, it's free, it's quite good for collaboration. But when it comes to uh, more hardcore enterprises, do you necessarily want Google to be you know happily going through your documents, reading your stuff, analyzing that data in order to serve you ads? No, this stuff is confidential. So Google Docs will always be limited by the business plan that Google offers there. It's great for SMEs to get a really good sort of a a connected solution. But for larger enterprises, Google Docs suffers from that. If you like, um, it's built in lack of security, which seems to be endemic to the entire Google business plan at the end of the day. So here we have Apple and IBM. IBM, big blue chip company, already serves massive industries, is way beyond SMEs and enables Apple with its products to reach parts of the industry which it hasn't been able to reach before. Oil, gas, energy, uh, infrastructure, agriculture, industries which you know, do have a technology presence, but in which Apple has no presence whatsoever. And that's kind of part of what IBM will enable um, for Apple, I think. I think. But I actually think there's a lot more to it than that. Well, of course, one of the arguments made by Gene Munster of Piper Jaffray is that it can't have a big impact on sales because Apple has such a great penetration with the Global 500 and Fortune 500. He seems to forget, though, and maybe he has tunnel vision, 
that because a company has one iPhone, they might be on the list. But that doesn't mean that they don't have room to buy thousands or hundreds of thousands of those devices. I think I think Jim may be forgetting that. But the other thing, again, is is to really stress the industries that Apple isn't reaching yet. Apple may be in a variety of Fortune 500 industries, but there are industries within that and outside of that in which Apple has no presence whatsoever. And we're talking about, you know, again, to repeat, energy, infrastructure, agriculture, those industries not really playing there yet. And those are pretty important industries because if you think about it, those industries are very big industries indeed. And if Apple can figure out how to put an iPhone into the hand of everybody who happens to be working on an oil rig and make it useful to the people working on that oil rig, then that's where IBM comes in. Well, this is a matter of credibility. And nobody has more credibility than IBM in terms of the enterprise. So if IBM people are walking in there and they're offering iPhones and iPads. If IBM walks into an office and says, here's the iPhone, here's the iPad, we have enterprise apps tailored to your business, it's going to be hard for them to say no. It it will definitely make a a, a positive proposition. Uh, You know, obviously IBM's in in a situation where it can offer tried and tested business-focused enterprise quality, enterprise scale apps, which are secure, scalable, accessible, and available through multiple devices and multiple systems. Some will say that, well, obviously Google then will offer it through Android systems, but I think the enterprise will continue to look at Android and think, well, actually we want it to be more secure than that. So there's a problem there uh, for Google, which is, I think, why you know this step by Apple and IBM kind of kills Google in the enterprise. Well, right now, the only enterprise tool that Google has for Android is this product or service from Samsung. Oh, the Knox thing. Right. Um, and now, what is Knox? Tell our listeners what this is all about, because sometimes we get involved heavily in these buzzwords, and you see something, and it makes no sense. So Knox, of course, is Samsung's enterprise initiative, but how good is it? Oh, well, I, I can tell you about it, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about it in very simplistic terms. A long, long time ago, I think it was last year, may have been the year before, um, a story went around. Um, the Department of Defense in the States had approved use of Samsung Knox as a secure military-grade technology. Samsung were very happy about that. Uh, Apple's iOS was also approved. Now, Knox is kind of like Android, but it's sort of a fork of Android that Samsung's played with, which is a little bit more secure than standard Android. Unfortunately, what's happened since then in the last few weeks is that uh, Samsung has kind of discontinued Knox and now it's being sold to Google. So we'll see, you know, what happens to that in future. But at that point, certainly Knox was the only DoD approved Android distribution that you could say was safe. And it didn't sell very many, which is why Samsung sold it. Once again, I think again and again with Samsung, you see they're in the photocopy business, right? In my opinion, and in my opinion, they'll do things which get them the PR, but they don't quite put the muscle in to take it all the way. And again, this is where something different is happening between Apple and IBM. But I don't think it's just about selling iPhones. You see, well, I've looked at lots more information since then, and I see so many references to big data analysis from both Apple and IBM within the context of this deal. And if you imagine for a second how much big data will be being generated by iOS as a platform in a few months' time when, hey, you've got 700 million iOS devices sold, I think, last September, um, and another, you know, say, 150 million wearable 
devices floating around, all of which are perhaps potentially connected, all of which are collecting information. If you, as a user of that information, choose to share some of it, you have information going from lots and lots of you know, not necessarily connected sources, lots and lots of information which isn't necessarily connected, the temperature, your heat, your, your, how your body is feeling. You have all this information flying around. How do you make sense of that? Well, that's where you need big data analysis. Well, Apple doesn't make big data analysis systems, but IBM does. So let's break yeah. it here. Then. Johnny Evans is joining us. He's the Appleholic, and I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. At 30dayfoodsupply.com, you can now purchase a -a one-of-a-kind product not available anywhere else. A meatless burger dry mix in four delicious flavors. With our new Oregon Trail Foods vegan burgers, all you do is add water and fry. They need no refrigeration. They're packaged in Mylar bags with an oxygen absorber for a long shelf life. They're non-GMO. They're gluten, soy, nut, and chemical-free, but they're loaded with flavor. And a good source of carbs and protein, yet low in sodium. Flavors include Italian, spicy Mexican, six vegetable and black bean olive go to 30dayfoodsupply.com or call 541-229-0010 and order today eat them every day take them camping or save them for an emergency check them out at 30dayfoodsupply.com and click on the vegan burger icon that's 30dayfoodsupply.com where all of our products are produced in oregon by oregon trail foods 30dayfoodsupply.com This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows you can't afford to wait so call 866-91-STEEL lock in your price now call 866-91-STEEL that's 866-917-8335 
Have you ever noticed how many sick and miserable people there are? I'm serious. I'm talking about people of all ages who have conditions and diseases which affect their quality of life. Most of them seem to have one thing in common, polypharmacy. That is dependence on multiple prescription drugs with side effects that actually make them sicker and sicker, not healthy. The good news is that people are waking up to the fact that if you supply your body with all of the nutrients it requires, you will feel better, be healthier, and have a better life. It's important to know that Beyond Tangy Tangerine is the most amazing, great-tasting, comprehensive nutritional supplement. Besides supplying all the vitamins our bodies need, it also supplies the necessary minerals that are required for the vitamins to kick in. Look, folks, I'm hooked on it, and I think if you try it, you'll become hooked. This stuff really works. That's why I'm urging you to make it part of your daily health regimen. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com to secure your canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine today. Sign up for auto ship and save on shipping costs. That's Beyond Tangy Tangerine at InfoWarsTeam.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. And I'm a very hot alcoholic because there's a heat wave in London. <laughs> Johnny Evans, the alcoholic. A heat wave in London right now. What is the temperature? You tell me. I think it's around 32 degrees, which is hot for here. But in London, of course, it's extra humid. And mostly we're just sort of wandering around gasping and desperately trying to hang on to what we laughingly call our lives. Okay, so <laughs> you're talking here of the metric system. Translating to Fahrenheit, what is 32 degrees? I have no idea. <laughs> it's pretty hot. Hey, let's, let's use Google for it. They're quite good for that. 32 degrees... Celsius in Fahrenheit. I wonder if they'll get it right or even give me an answer. It's 89.6. That's hot, isn't it? No, I'm it's not. Hot. You know why? I'm sitting here just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, it's oh, already hot. 88. It will yeah. be 102 today. And but that's you're used cool. To it. You've grown with that temperature. <laughs> right. It's going to be 110 in a We're few used days. to rain. <laughs> rain? What's that? I, I never heard that word. That word has no meaning to me. Rain? It sounds like an old song from the Beatles. Remember the that Beatles song, song Rain, from the Beatles? I thought that's one of their best songs ever. It was a B-side, and I just loved it. You know, I really dug that. Anyway, let's get back to yeah. the Enterprise and Sam's so paperback writer, of course. <laughs> right, it was the backside of paperback writer. You see, you have to be really old to remember this. Let's go back to Google and IT and Samsung. Now, Samsung doesn't seem to be doing all that tremendously well. The sales of the Galaxy S5 are not as high. They're being encroached upon by low-end smartphone makers, particularly in Asia. Their sales and profits aren't going to be as high. So Samsung was last year's darling. This year, eh. Yeah, it's looking that way. Um, you know, it, it, it was always inevitable. Every time anybody spoke about a new manufacturer coming up with a new cheaper device and saying it was aimed at Apple, it was equally a problem for Samsung because Samsung, in its quest to be the anti-Apple, always needed to ensure that it had a high-end device which was selling with the iPad with the, with Apple's devices at a, on a competitive basis, and it sort of didn't do it with the S with the current edition. It, it you know the, the idea of a fingerprint reader wasn't very effective. 
that's the trouble with the photocopy business. You've got to actually innovate and create products which people like. It's not enough just to create products which look a bit like products people like. You, you actually want them to deliver. Um, eventually, audiences are discerning, and eventually people make a decision based on what works. Well, in this particular case, the fingerprint sensor for the Galaxy S5 hardly works. So that's mm. one of the real serious problems. Let me ask you here about something you wrote about in a more recent article. Why enterprise IT pros should fear Apple and IBM? <laughs> oh, Why? Definitely. What are they going to be afraid about? Is it because IBM is so powerful? Oh, no, not so much about the powerful as the simplicity. If Apple uh, uses its skills to make information simple, to make user interfaces approachable, um, uh, while putting them, if you like, as a, a, a user interface veneer on the power of IBM solutions, then you suddenly have a sea change in the way people design enterprise applications. If you've ever been sad enough to be trapped in an enterprise using an enterprise software solution, you, you find yourself looking at interfaces which are confused, um, controls which are in non-intuitive places. Apple put controls in intuitive places. As soon as you have intuitive software that's coupled with the kind of power that IBM supplies, then you have a challenge for anybody involved in interface design or enterprise application design because, of course, what they've got to do is deliver enterprise applications in intuitive packages. And so for a lot of people in, in enterprise IT, that will be very challenging because they've never really had to focus on the user interface before. They've just had to, you know, make something that kind of works. Um, so I think that that will sort of raise the bar um, to, uh, to a considerable level. Now, I think the really good uh, IT people will really respond to that. But certainly a lot of people will find it very, very difficult because they've never really had the imagination or the vision to actually figure out how to do uh, an interface that works. Also, IT people would have less work to do. If everything is simple and people figure uh, out everything, what are they there for? Well, there is that problem, certainly. Um, uh, the, the idea that you know you can uh, create a halfway decent business for yourself while making things complicated may uh, go on uh, go 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 the, the way of all things. This is a I'm I'm giving up smoking at the moment, and this is um, nicotine lozenges. They're horrible. <laughs> You're chewing a nicotine lozenge right now. Oh, this I know. is you know, know spontaneous radio, where yeah, as yeah. we speak, he is chewing something. And that something is not some kind of weird drug that makes him into some kind of wacky person because he's wacky I don't naturally. need that. <laughs> you don't need – you're high on life. I know the spirit. But okay, but let's consider this here now. So the IT person would have something to fear because Apple does something that works. Or they have less work to do, therefore fewer IT people are needed. Is that also way, a problem? It works the same. Um, I, I do believe that we'll, we'll move away from overcomplexity as a sort of like a um, an aspect of design and move into one in which simplicity is what matters. Um, simplicity, as we know now in the post iPod age, doesn't mean simple. It means great complexity, great technological complexity put within packages which are comprehensible, understandable, intuitive, and ultimately usable. What is the point of having a fantastic feature in a product? if it's impossible for a customer to find it. You need it all to be 
accessible. And that kind of accessibility means um, that, you know, actually it could work the other way, you see, Gene. It could work so suddenly we need a lot more technical people to spend a lot more time resolving technical problems. But the end result will still be the same. We'll end up with better interfaces and the division, if you like, the artificial division between the complexity of enterprise software and the simplicity of consumer software will inevitably um, um, uh, be eroded. It could work for IT people, but a lot of IT people will find it difficult, I believe. Paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift. Okay. Now, one thing not mentioned here is that some of these businesses are also using Macs, but Macs are not part of this. It's all iOS gear, iPads, Mm. iPhones. Do you think that has some indirect influence towards Mac purchases as well? Oh, it's inevitable it will because that's where continuity steps in. I mean, as soon as you put continuity into the mix, then actually is that division such a problem? If you can create an application which accesses IBM's big data systems for iOS, how difficult is it really to create a similar application for the Mac? Um, You need a Mac to create the applications in the first place as a rule. So, you know, I can't imagine uh, that the applications that IBM delivers to, say, an iPad won't, in some cases, eventually migrate to the Mac platform. So it's, I, I think it would be foolish to imagine that Macs don't get to come along on this train ride too. But this is a start. It does sound very promising. I mean, obviously we know the past deals with Apple and IBM that didn't quite work mm-hmm. out, but this seems to be more of a natural fit. Supposedly, it's been in discussions for two years, and mm-hmm. I don't get the impression that Tim Cook just reacts without a lot of careful investigation and consideration. Also, he did work at IBM at one time. He knows something about that company. Mm. I mean, I, I, I get the impression IBM, I mean, again and again and again with Tim Cook, and I think we touched on this last time we spoke, he seems to be making really big decisions in terms of positioning Apple to become a huge corporation capable of playing a huge corporation game while still maintaining space within that company for creative ideas to happen. Now, that's, you know... If he executes this correctly, and the signs are that he is executing it correctly, then we're all going to be very, very happy he was Steve Jobs' successor, aren't we? Because he's going to deliver a situation which Apple is able to operate as a massive corporation, while at the same time remaining a creative organization. Um, We're waiting to see what these best products of 25 years are still um, this July. But the signs are looking pretty good, don't you think, Gene? Well, I think this is very much a part of it right here. Because this is a new product and service for Apple. Mm. A special Mm. emphasis on the enterprise they never had before. Working with a partner that gets it. That Mm. gets the enterprise, knows how to speak their language. So when the IBM salesperson walks into an office and says, okay, let's talk about your needs here. And we've got this stuff, which happens to be iPads and iPhones. If Apple did that, they wouldn't listen. Apple probably wouldn't do it. But when IBM comes in there... Hey, listen, you know, I keep forgetting to mention the fact that we have a newsletter, a weekly newsletter called the Tech Night Owl Newsletter. You can get a copy free. All you have to do is go to newslettertechnightowl.com. That's newslettertechnightowl.com and sign up for a subscription. It's as easy as that. We're listening to Johnny Evans, the Appleholic from Computer World. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. 
UNCN. Proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother and his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay. Can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN, the Genesis Communications Network, is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world and we're hiring right now we offer benefits and an excellent commission structure experience preferred but we'll train the right person is that you submit your resume today to advertise at gcnlive.com again that's advertise at gcnlive.com come work with the genesis communications network an equal opportunity employer we'd like to hear from you If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. We're speaking direct from his secret (laughs) subterranean cavern in the UK where he's doing survivalist research. Hi, survivalist. That's right. You need it in the UK these days. It's tough here with these austerity measures. Well, that's the problem with austerity. You realize how Mm. many people lose their jobs because we want to cut back. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about one other development. So Apple and IBM are on a roll. They're working together. You know, they seem to have compatible needs right now, which work well. And then we've got Microsoft, which is firing 14% of their employees. Goodbye. Now we'll figure out a strategy. Well, I think I think Microsoft have the strategy, and I kind of like the strategy. I think it's a strategy they should have perhaps engaged in a couple of years ago. It's tragic for Nokia. It's tragic for Finland, given that apparently a substantial slice of these reductions are taking place in what was formerly Nokia Headcamp. Um, don't neglect that they just added what, something like 25,000 employees to uh, Microsoft's Headcamp, so they're up to 125,000. They're sacking 18,000 people. 
it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy for for for, for European IT in in that sense. And it's a tragedy for Nokia, who you know perhaps I mean I don't know if they were particularly well led recently. Um, for Microsoft and Microsoft people, it's also a shame because despite everything they've tried to do, they have seemingly failed to compete at scale with Apple and Google in the mobile age. However, I do think that the, the, the you know moving the focus towards cloud and enterprise services and creative services and productivity and trying to ensure that all the solutions that Microsoft offer are you know platform agnostic is pretty clever because in that they're clinging onto the one part of their current business which is doing quite well. I'm not counting Microsoft out, not at all, not right now. Well, if you're one of those 18,000 people, you've got to really be scared right now. And how does that affect morale? I assume within the next few months, everyone who's going to be fired will get the memo. Okay, we expect that. But the people who are there, they've got to feel disheartened because suddenly people they've been working with maybe for years are no Mm. longer with the company. Mm. It's all on them. And you also have to think, heck, if it's happened to them, it's, it's happened to this friend of mine, in the corner cubicle, am I going to be next? How does that affect morale when a company does that kind of bloodletting? People there will be utterly devastated. I mean, can you imagine? It's it's over 10%. It's more than a tithe. I can't imagine that anybody at Microsoft is feeling particularly comfortable right now. Certainly nobody at Nokia, I can imagine, is feeling particularly comfortable. People outside of Microsoft will probably be looking at this and thinking it's quite a good thing. All that Nokia talent, all that Microsoft talent, 18,000 people, some of whom are going to be really good, suddenly available and looking for work. So there's good things for the industry as a whole. But it, Are it, there it, that it, many jobs for these 18,000 people, though? I think Apple hiring. But this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, there's been a um, the, the, the change in the way the technology industry looks now in comparison to how it looked even 10 years ago is astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing. Microsoft are teetering. They have a new strategy, which I think will serve them right. But equally, there's an awful lot of bloodletting for people to go through. And morale within the company must be terrible because, I mean, ultimately, it's, it's a massive stick. It's a lash. And it says, actually, we failed. And so people can't be feeling good. No, I've, I've got, you know, I, 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 while I may feel good in the sense that I feel that this kind of vindicates Apple, I feel pretty awful for each and individual person who suddenly in the current environment we have economically, socially, politically in this world right now finds himself without a job. That's tragic. That's really bad. And, and the person who works in the cubicle next to them, yes, they will be terrified. It, 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 that kind of negativity within the morale of an organization is bound to impact on people's creative ideas as well. So we have to see how it plays out, I suppose. But I wish everybody luck. On the short term, then, I think it's going to hurt Microsoft's efforts to develop new stuff. Now, they're working on a Windows 9 for next year. Have you heard much about Windows 9? Nothing. I've got nothing to offer on that. I'm so sorry. Okay. The only thing I've heard is that it's going to present a different interface depending on which device you're using, whether it's the former Metro interface or the desktop interface. So if you're working from a device that serves more as a tablet, you see the tiled interface if it's a traditional PC, it's desktop. That's going to confuse the hell out of people if that's what they're going to do, but we'll have to see. Uh, that doesn't sound very intuitive to me. Well, Unless what does Microsoft know about intuitive? Maybe that's the vision they should present. 
We're going to become intuitive for once. <laughs> Would anyone believe them? I really think that Microsoft have to just remain completely focused on the strategy that they're describing at the moment. And I think as long as they remain platform agnostic and focus on really delivering best-in-class services, best-in-class solutions to work on any platform, they've got a hope because they actually have a really good vested position from which they can build just that. Apple and IBM aside, I think uh, I think Microsoft is in a position to find uh, relationships with both of those players. So I don't necessarily think Microsoft needs suffer too much more, but they're disappearing into the infrastructure. And I don't think they're going to be the household name that they were in 10 years' time. Micro who? Exactly. But they'll still be there. You know, who who really talks about, you know, other companies uh, within technology, Sybase, Oracle. When you go up your local high street, people will talk about Microsoft or Apple, but they won't talk about them. But those are very big companies with very good businesses who, uh, well, maybe not, but uh, who, who, who are still delivering solutions today. And I think that's the kind of space Microsoft is, disapp- is ending up in, maybe disappearing into. Well, they still remember IBM, I think. Yeah, everybody remembers IBM. <laughs> <laughs> People remember Honeywell. Anyway. <laughs> Honey who? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's another article you did which just went up at Computer World before we hit the weekend. Yeah. And it's about six Steve Jobs stories we learned this month. Now, I have a very, 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 did I say very, a very minor history with Steve Jobs. I met him two or three times. Talked to him very briefly. And in each case... He would always finish his sentence as he ran away from me, which was one way to avoid being asked another question. That was Steve Jobs. So he didn't want to be annoyed by that Steinberg guy. All right. Regardless of that, we're always hearing stories about who Steve Jobs was, even though he was in the public eye for over 30 years. We still have things to learn about him. So you have this article you did for Computer World entitled Six Steve Jobs Stories We Learned This Month. So we're going to do the break in about two minutes. Maybe we can get started now. But how did we learn these stories? People still talk about him. As you say, there's still such interest in him. He is an icon. He's a modern icon. He's a Thomas Edison. He's a character. He's a Shakespeare of technology. He's uh, somebody who is considered and I think arguably is so great and so revered that people still wish to share the stories that they have. And I- I'm kind of saddened, really, because I think the biographies that we've had, all the different biographies we've had, I think in almost every case, they focus so much on the generalizations about the man. And I don't think they've managed to successfully capture and distill the spirit of this man. And I do live in hope that someone somewhere down the line is capable of capturing that spirit because that spirit is what will inspire, I hope, the next generation of technology or any other industry because industry changes, entrepreneurs. Um, we need to understand, uh, to, 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 under, to, to sort of like, I'm finding this really hard to say, to, to, to put yourself into the space of someone of genius may not make you a genius, but certainly will enable you to look at things a different way. And I think by saying, you know, quite blasé, like, oh, he was a, ter- a, a terribly bossy boss. Oh, he, was a, he, he lost his temper very easily. Oh, he was hypercritical. I think you missed the presence of the man. He also, it seems to me, was quite private, which is why even after 30 years in the public eye, there's still more to know about him. He was quite creative. He was quite 
passionate. He kept so many things about himself quiet. Um, this guy was very interesting, not just in terms of his work. And I think his, his viewpoint of himself always was that his products were him. You know, his products were his life's work. And it, it, to the day he died, he was working on them. Um, but also what made him tick, the complexities of the man, how he thought, those things. Those are the things we look into biographies for. And I don't think we really get that from many of them. Do you? We have Johnny Evans. We get him because he's the appleholic at Computer Hello. World. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Think the national debt is $15 trillion? Boston U economics professor Lawrence Kotlikoff astutely points out that after factoring in guarantees such as Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and defense expenditures, the national debt is closer to $211 trillion. Mathematically, this debt is not serviceable via taxation. And for politicians on Capitol Hill, default is not an option. So we can expect the Federal Reserve to monetize the shortfall, resulting in even more confiscation of our hard-earned savings via inflation. Hi, my name is Adam Miller with Midas Resources. In light of the MF Global Swindle, it is now more apparent than ever that our savings investments are not secure in the hands of traditional banking institutions overseen by government technocrats kept in their back pockets. Call me today at 800-686-2237, extension 148, to find out how you can protect your savings from confiscation with liquid, portable, and private precious metals. I'll even send you a booklet titled 10 Readings to Own Gold to serve as a guide. That number again is 800-686-2237, extension 148. 800-686-2237, extension 148. If you need to say happy birthday, happy anniversary, thank you, or simply I'm thinking of you, ProFlowers.com is the key. ProFlowers has stunning bouquets, like the best-selling 100 blooms for $19.99. Plus, ProFlowers will include a glass vase for free. Sending someone a wonderful surprise of beautiful flowers sent fresh from the field is easy. Choose the bouquet you like, pick the delivery date, and each order is 100% guaranteed. Plus, all bouquets from Pro Flowers are guaranteed to last at least seven full days. Beautiful, fragrant flowers, picked fresh and sent to your loved one for lasting enjoyment. To get this incredible savings and send someone 100 gorgeous blooms with a free vase for $19.99, go to ProFlowers.com, click the blue microphone in the top right corner, and enter code PLOW. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the mic and enter code P-L-O-W. Springtime is save big time at Herbal Healer Academy. Long-term customers know spring is the time to stock up at HerbalHealer.com. And for new customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Log on for spring specials including our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale. 
Choose from Herbal Healer's great variety of weight loss products like apple cider vinegar, Hoodia and Metabolic Complex, and ProMetabolic, all on sale now. Also, the Anti-Parasite Intestinal Freedom and Warwood Plus Complex, plus Stevia Liquid Sweetener and the Super Enzymes, all on sale for spring at HerbalHealer.com. As always, we offer certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on now to HerbalHealer.com and click on Spring Specials to save big with our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Our guest is Johnny Evans, the Appleholic from Computer World. Go to computerworld.com, and you will find all his blogs over there. And we're talking here about Steve Jobs and the fact that we're still learning things about him because as much as he was in the public eye, in many ways he was private. So how about covering these six pieces, and those who are interested in more details can go to the site. So Mm. I'm going to read the title. You could possibly describe what we're talking about here. I'll do my very best using what I laughingly call my memory. Well, you know, at our age, <laughs> we forget what we're doing. You know, because I do two radio shows, I have to stop sometimes and think, which one am I doing? Is this the Paracast where we're talking about UFOs, things that go bump in the night? And this weekend, we're talking about military conspiracies that occurred in the early and mid-40s and late-40s that may have generated early sightings of supposed UFOs. I'm promoting wow. myself. Okay, so Steve Jobs respected passion. And the impression I get from this, and you can expand on it, is he would call you out and say, you're an idiot, you're a dummy, your idea is stupid. But if you fought back and you believed in what you were saying, you could sell him on what you were up to. Exactly. He, uh, it, it seems to me that he would push and push and push. He wanted to get people to that primal spark, that little tiny part of themselves where self-belief is, where they really felt confident about something. Some people can't handle that kind of treatment. I, we all find it difficult. But all the stories say that everything he did with people in terms of that kind of management was intended just to bring out the fight in them. Because if somebody's got a reason to fight and a bit of belief in them, then you know they're on it. And I think that's what he wanted. He didn't want excuses. He didn't want hyperbole. He didn't want weakness. He just wanted people to find their inner strengths and stand up to him. And he respected that. Um, certainly, that seems to be the, uh, what Wozniak is implying when he spoke to the Milwaukee Business Journal. The key being, if you believed in what you were trying to sell him, you do a better job of conveying that information. And maybe you convince him. Now, I understand he had to be convinced about the iPod, for example. Yeah. He didn't yeah. just accept Tony Fidel and say, OK, cool, let's make iPods. He had to be sold on that. I don't know this story. I want to know this story. Well, that's what it famously (laughs) says. Okay, he could trust. Yeah, 
Uh, he could delegate. He was quite capable of delegating. Uh, people would. He, he was always condemned as a micromanager who was bullying and dogmatic to his staff. But take the story of Ron Johnson. They're going off to the secret warehouse where Apple built their uh, first ever retail store for year, a couple of years before they actually opened them. And, and Johnson turns around to him in the car and says, mm, "Steve, I think we've got this a bit wrong. Because you know, if we're going to if we're going to put the company all around the things it does, then." Perhaps we should actually make the shop all about the things it does. But at the moment, the shop's all about the products. And Steve went, oh, oh no, <laughs> I haven't got time to redesign the retail layout. So that could have been where it ended. But 10 minutes later, they're in the meeting and Steve Jobs sort of goes to the meeting. Hey, um, Ron Johnson thinks we're all wrong. I'm going home. Uh, Ron's going to work with you now and get it right. And Ron then went off and got the idea of the uh, Apple stores together. That's kind of trust, isn't it? You're about to do this huge and incredibly important move into retail on which the entire company's future and relevance arguably depends. And you're able to walk away from a, a, an error of judgment you have just had pointed out to you and trust the person who pointed it out to you to fix it. That's pretty good. That's a proper man. Well, I met Ron Johnson once at one of the openings for the early Apple stores. And I spent a few minutes talking with him. Real pleasant guy. Easy yeah. to talk to. And I think it's unfortunate that he went on the J.C. Penny because the culture clash was so great there, he could not possibly have succeeded. But there you go. That's mm. Ron Johnson. Okay, he had a plan for the enterprise. Now, this is interesting here because I guess the story you tell is when he decided to switch Macs to Intel. That's a very important point. So tell us more. Okay, so the story here, which um, came out of uh, CDN, um, was VMware uh, CEO Pat Gelsinger, who used to work at Intel at the time. And he went along with Paul Astolini, who was then the Intel CEO. And we all saw him on stage when the Intel thing was announced. He was wearing a spacesuit. And uh, um, anyway, Paul, he went along to visit Steve. And it was like, hi, Steve. Hi, hi, Paul. Hi, hi, Pat. You know, and, and they sort of say, hey, Steve, let, let's try and make your products better for the enterprise. And he, he sort of says, and I'm going to quote it here, why would I do anything for that orifice called the CIO, said, said Steve. And, and all the Intel guys are, oh, but that's our job. Those are our, those are our market. And, and then Steve sort of said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build devices that are irresistible for consumers and CIOs will have to just deal with it. Well, that seems a pretty be a strategy to me because obviously that's what they went along and did. Um, the iPhone is in enterprise now. The enterprise, the IBM <laughs> Apple deal says it's going to be more in the enterprise. Other Apple products will also be in the enterprise. How did he do? it by creating a product that people liked and we're not it's no need to ever complicate it it comes down to customer satisfaction ratings once again people like to use these products that's why they want to use them at work people don't like using the other products steve just focused on making things people liked that worked and and that was his secret plan for the enterprise once we actually convince consumers that there are better ways of doing things then they're eventually going to force it to happen in enterprise users too and that's exactly what cios face and that's what happened here, where Apple does yeah. its thing, and the message translates to IBM. And so former IBM employee Tim Cook gets together with the current CEO of IBM, and they figure it all out. Notice, interestingly enough, when this deal was announced, IBM CEO went to Apple in Cupertino, California, <laughs> to make the announcement. It wasn't the other way around. It was came to Apple, and then they made the announcement of their deal. Very interesting. And the picture you see is Cook and IBM CEO talking casually. We know it was all staged mm. at Apple headquarters. I've seen that press pit too. It's going doing the rounds. They both look incredibly relaxed. It looks like a very nice day and you can see the Apple Gardens just behind it. 
we can assume Tim Cook would know how to act because oh, he's absolutely. Apple, he's carefully rehearsed. We don't think the IBM person is going to be as carefully rehearsed. So if she looks relaxed with this thing, probably she was. Mm-hmm. And so they caught a reflection of a reality that these companies had to be comfortable working with one another. Let's look at another point here. He prized creativity. Well, Jonathan Ive is an example of that. Yep. Definitely. Um, and Jonathan I was another. I met Steve once and, and when, well, really, and, and I really just started working at Macworld. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but the one abiding feeling I got with when I met Mr. Jobs was that he had this kind of intellect, which almost sort of, I felt that he was an incredibly aware human being. I had actually sat in his seat, so, you know, it could have gone a bit wrong, but it didn't go that wrong. He was very polite. He took my business card. Um, a, 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 a large and burly Apple security guy turned up and quietly told me in a very nice way that I really shouldn't be sitting there. Um, perhaps I shouldn't have taken Steve's seat, um, but I was a young and uh, journalist, had been in a job for about three weeks, and I figured that the best way I was going to get any information out of Apple at the Apple Expo I was covering was by going into the Apple section and just, you know, hanging around. So I met Steve Jobs, and again, he was polite. He was perfectly, uh, perfectly lovely to spoke to speak to. But again, the, 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 the this 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 perception I got that I was dealing with, not necessarily a towering intellect, but a very aware mind has never left me. Um, with Jonathan, he, he's 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 such a nice guy. He's I met so him talented. a couple he's of times. So talented. I interviewed him <laughs> once, and I'll yeah. tell you about that in a moment. Speaking of Johnny's, we have Johnny Evans. I'm Gene Steinberg. That's me. You're in the Tech Night Alive. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's 
powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just 19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. And of course, Johnny Evans is an alcoholic. I understand that he doesn't have to take treatment for that. He just has to pursue his love of it for computer world. Okay, so I met... Johnny Ive a couple of times, and I saw him at the rollout to OS X, the original rollout, March 2001, where he was going to show you how quickly a Mac notebook could wake up from sleep mode with OS X. So he would constantly take his power book, which is what you had at the time, and open for a couple of minutes and close it and open it and close it so you could see this demonstrated. But the time I got to interview him was back in 1998, the iMac first came out. And I contacted Apple. I was writing a column for the Arizona Republic at the time. And I said, hey, I'd like to do a piece on the iMac. Can you get somebody for me? Yeah, we'll get you the designer. You can't do that now. But I had a pleasant 10, 15-minute conversation with this guy. And, you know, he's one of your fellow countrymen. He was genuine. And he was supremely creative. Now, let's talk about the final point about Steve Jobs. He was genuine. And you quote somebody from Business Insider saying, 
the public image of Steve is very false. You've kind of covered some of this already, but go ahead, please. Okay, well, I mean, the guy who was speaking to Business Insider is, is a very respected designer, Hartmut Esslinger. Um, he used to work for Apple and was involved with designing some of the products. And he was also um, the man who started a, a very famous company called Frog Design. Um, he pretty much, I think it was really watch, looking at this quote, which inspired me to write this thing this morning. Um, when, he, when he says, I think the public image of Steve is very false. It's way too anecdotal. He was a very authentic person, very talented, and he could see things others couldn't see. He also had courage. He didn't care for himself. He accepted creativity, respected it. He said, what I cannot do, you can do. And, and you know, so Steve would go for partnership he also says that Mr. Jobs was a really brilliant person. When he got angry, it was because he could not bear stupidity. He could not accept dishonesty and pretentiousness. He had his edges, but he was a truly good person. And, and you know, this sounds like a much deeper analysis of the man than half the biographies that exist of Steve Jobs. Why is it that one man who worked with him for a while in one paragraph is able to actually distill more of what I think we all sense is the spirit of perhaps one of the most important technological people of the last 20 years, one of, than all these biographers whose job it is to capture the spirit of their subject. It's very disappointing, really. I think it's time to uh, write a new one. <laughs> well, what do you think of Walter Isaacson's and his authorized biography of Steve Jobs? I've heard other people say it was very, very flawed. I really felt that he did not go to the depths that I would have liked to have seen. I mean, I would love to have seen a deeper treatment of the character of the man than we saw there. So much of it was, if you like, repetition from other Apple-related and Steve Jobs-related books which have come before. Um, and so little of it really seemed to deliver depth. And I would have liked to have depth because certainly at the time that book came out, Mr. Jobs had just died. And, and for all of us who, I don't know, in some way are associated with this side of the technology industry, this was somebody meant a lot to us. And, and, and you know, I looked at that book and hoped to find something of him there. And, and I don't really feel that that book delivered quite as much of the character of the man as I would have liked to have seen. Whether that's because it was approved, whether it's because it had to go through that, that, the old phrase, death by committee, where 58 people have to sort of approve what's in a book, or whether that's just because Isaacson just didn't quite capture that spirit I don't know, uh, but I would love to have seen something which kind of put across the temperament, the character, the nature of this being who, who, who isn't around anymore to speak for himself. I think that's so important. You see, again, it comes down, it's not so much just for me, for my curiosity or for your curiosity or for the curiosity of anybody who happens to listen to this show, but it's about the curiosity of someone in a hundred years' time who still wants to find out about the character of this man. We always look back, don't we, at great human beings who've managed to, if you like, turn the wheel forward. And we look with great eagerness at those people because we want to kind of learn from their experience and acquire a little bit of their wisdom to ins inspire us and help us make our own decisions and you know create our own things and i feel that to deliver that kind of depth about him might actually be useful to future generations quite apart from our own i feel quite strongly about it really <laughs> well perhaps isaacson was being too cautious to get everything jobs said correctly but not sit back and try to understand what was going on. And perhaps the book was rushed at the end because Jobs had died. They moved up the deadline for the book. The book came out months earlier than expected. 
As a result, probably the publisher wanted to cash in, and therefore a lot of that insight didn't exist in the book. Maybe he would have had to have gone back there and say, okay, I've got all this information. Let me explain to my readers how I felt about it and my impressions of Jobs, but you didn't get that sense in there. I, I, I didn't get too much sense of that. And of course, I don't want to commit any kind of disservice or be overly critical to somebody else's in, if you like, my, my trade, which is, you know, trying to string words together and make them useful to people. But um, I would really have valued a book like that about Steve Jobs, you know, uh, uh, as I describe, a book that captured more of his spirit. And given all the actual the environment that you describe, the, the situation, maybe that's true. But it is a kind of disappointment because we're not going to get the chance to read a book like that again because he's not around anymore to talk to the next biographer, right? So, you know, maybe it's time he actually did deliver a few of the extra chapters he promised us when he sold it to us in the first place, right? But yeah, I, don't, I don't think that many, any have come out yet, have they? Well, so, you know, I would think the book has to be written by somebody who actually worked with him for years at Apple. Not somebody who walks in there to do a story, but somebody who worked with him for 10, 20 years, and they provided the insights. Mm. And it would have mm. to be an Apple insider or somebody who was a personal friend of Jobs. You don't get that insight with a hired gun. And Isaacson was just a hired gun. Um, arguably, that's true. Um, I'm not sure if the people who knew Jobs have to necessarily be the people who write it, but I do think that perhaps... You know, there's probably space for another book now. It would be good if someone could write that. I would like to read it. Would you like to write it? Oh, I'd love to write it. How wonderful would it be to get to write a book like that? But will I get the chance to? Mm, that's debatable. But um, um, would I like to? Yeah, sure. Of course I would. I mean, I think this guy is, I think this guy is, is, is incredibly interesting. And I think the achievements that he, he made are, are, are so worth learning from because the achievements are not necessarily, I mean, product. He, he, he would focus his life on products, but products change because the environment changes and technology moves on. So what doesn't change in there? Dedication to excellence, dedication to user experience, dedication to what customers kind of need, um, the ability to sort of uh, look at complex things and find a simple answer, the, uh, the, the, a talent to sort of, you know, what was it he used to say, to see where the puck is going. Those sort of things, those are interesting too, right? And, um, um, and while products are what he marked his life by, I think for the rest of us, we'd probably like to understand how he thought. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't believe I'm clever enough to do that. But somebody out there must surely be sensitive and emotionally intelligent enough to capture just a sense of how he was thinking. I think they should. I think it has to be somebody who knew him well. I don't think uh, you I, just have a journalist come in there. They could do it, but they're basically learning by hearsay. We're talking about history now, and hearsay is all we have left. Well, we still have the people who work with him, his yes. friends. Yes. We have his co-workers. So we're not at that point. Yes, if you're writing about somebody who's long dead and the people they knew are long gone, then, of course, you're going to depend on the writings of others to get insights into the person. But mm -hmm. here, I think it was so tightly focused, Isaacson's book, that – he clearly knew nothing about Steve Jobs before this, even though maybe he did, but you didn't get that impression. This is the hired gun who comes in there and he writes the book and he gets everything down correctly, the facts, but he doesn't get the substance, the things you need to know to get a better impression of what he mm. was like. Now, in our final segment with Johnny Evans, I want to ask him 
about Apple's forthcoming announcement of financials. How well do you think Apple did? Will they have some surprises on their session on the 22nd of July, which maybe when you hear the show, we'll have to see how it turns out. Okay, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Moms of America, stand up and stop taking abuse from your kids. I pledge never to let my kid disrespect me ever again. I pledge to stop letting my daughter walk all over me. I pledge to stop living in fear of my son's anger. I pledge never to feel like a bad parent ever again. Because I'm not. I pledge to stop letting my child's behavior control my home. I pledge to be a mom with kids who listen. A total transformation mom. I'm Janet Lehman, co-creator of the Total Transformation Program. We created the Total Transformation to help parents with difficult child behavior. Now I'm giving it away free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. We'll let you keep it for free. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. Call now. Call 1-800-256-7795. That's 1-800-256-7795. This is big! Not just big, it's the Freeze Dry Guys Giant Factory Authorized Sale. This month, save 30 to 45% off on number 10 cans of high quality Mountain House freeze dried foods from the Freeze Dry Guy. Factory fresh stock just arrived, so now is the time to stock up with the finest, best tasting, longest proven shelf life foods in the industry at giant savings of 30 to 45% off. But hurry, supplies are limited to only the stock we have on hand. Call 866 404 3663. Free shipping to the lower 48 states. Click freezedryguide.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguide.com. Hurry, the giant factory authorized Mountain House sale is going on now. Only from the Freeze Dry Guy. The finest freeze-dried and dehydrated foods available anywhere for long-term storage. I had tried everything. I'd cut back the amount of food I was eating. I was lifting weights and jogging, but nothing was working. My body was literally starving for minerals and trace elements as well as key vitamins. And as soon as I had that, I immediately could eat half of what I was eating previously and be satisfied. Now, there are hundreds of great products at InfoWarsTeam.com, but I want to point out the three. 
that have helped me lose 37 pounds in just two months. Products like Beyond Tangy Tangerine, Pollen Burst, and Rebound. When I started taking the Tangy Tangerine and other products every day, I lost more than 37 pounds in just two months. Now that's results. I want to challenge my listeners to go to InfoWarsTeam.com and to order just three of their products, and you will see the changes in the way you look, feel, and in your appetite almost immediately. Start your journey to health and wellness today. InfoWarsTeam.com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So, this show, of course, is being broadcast on the 19th of July. And obviously, we don't know what Apple's going to say on the 22nd of July, but you may not hear this show until then. So this is like the person giving a prediction days before the outcome is known, and then we can all look like fools. But that's okay, (laughs) because I've looked like a fool for years, and people still listen to me, I think. So Johnny Evans, Apple-holic. What do I think is going to (laughs) happen? What surprises, or will there be surprises, on the 22nd of July? You know, I'd love to have a beautiful, glib, prepared comment for this, but of course I don't. I think that iPhone sales will be stronger than anticipated. I imagine that iPad sales could be a little weaker than people want. I believe with almost complete certainty that Apple will come in within the expectations that they have laid. Number has escaped me. I do think we may see some weakness. Cue general panicking. Oh, no, Apple's losing its touch without anybody actually, you know, abstracting the realization that, hey, they haven't released anything new for a bit. And uh, the next quarter of newness is just about to open. I think Apple will just about come in with line and expectations, probably exceeding them slightly. I think iPhone sales will be the best surprise. I think we're going to see them as being remarkably strong, considering in the quarter before a new new model comes out. Um, I think we'll also see an interesting story in terms of Mac sales. Once again, I do believe that they will exceed industry growth, which at the moment isn't growing. And uh, I anticipate we'll see some health there. I think a lot of people now will be heading towards deferring their purchases uh, because we're expecting new operating systems. We're expecting new iPhone models. Some people will be considering upcoming wearable devices. And the entire smartphone industry, as far as I can tell, has slowed down as it always does about this time every year while people wait to see what the next iPhone is. Will we see a surprise in this quarter? Hmm. I think we may see some education surprises. I think we'll also hear of some other larger deployments to education and possibly to some sort of um, uh, enterprise clients. Beyond that, I really don't have any vision and I wish I did, Gene. I would be curious to see what the price cuts of the MacBook Air did. Particularly, Mm -hmm. did that boost up Mac sales a little bit? Then because... We get there what is a really minor update, a tiny, tiny processor increase. And that, of course, raises a little bit of a red flag with Max. We know that the Broadwell chips from Intel are running late. They're using smaller dies and everything. Okay, so Apple doesn't get the chips this year they would normally use to boost and refresh Max. Therefore, they have to do something to goose Max sales. They did something with the MacBook Air. They came out with a somewhat criticized, cheaper version of the iMac, probably hinting there's going to be no further iMac upgrade this year. I might be wrong. But the question here is, did that maneuvering help at all with Mac sales this past quarter? I think we've got to consider the macroeconomic situation as well. In some markets, things are pretty good. 
in some of the developing markets, China, for example, um, I think Apple can anticipate still maintaining healthy sales. But in the European markets, I think we're looking at damage for any player in the consumer electronics industry. And I can't imagine Apple will be completely proof from all of that because, you know, things have got pretty serious. Um, People are not very well off at the moment. Obviously, this means that for smaller businesses, design shops, people who use their Macs professionally, they'll be inclined to defer their purchases for a little while because they want things to, you know, they want to see a bit more liquidity. You know, I can't see any big surprises in which it exceeds expectations. I do think that Apple will deliver on the expectations it's created. I'm going to have to look them up, actually. It's annoying me that I do not remember them, so I'm just going to find out what they were. Um, Yeah, so I, I think that a small $100, was it? $100, I think it was a $100 price cut around there, yes. isn't going to be enough to stimulate sales in Europe. Well, Europe, it's more complicated because you have the value-added taxes and all this other extra stuff. So $100 here is always something quite different when mm-hmm. it gets across the pond. In this country, it's maybe 50, 60, 70 pounds. In, in other parts of Europe, it, it varies depending on fluctuation of exchange rates and stuff. But, the, you know, there, there are food riots in Spain. I mean, you know, there's, there's no way it can be proof against that. Well, obviously, Apple's making a big push towards Asia, with mm. the iPhone especially. But we have to consider maybe our Mac's going to sell better there. Who knows? Obviously, the investment in OS X Yosemite is tremendous with all the improvements they're making. You know, it's not a casual change. Anyone who's been exposed to the beta version of OS X Yosemite would realize this. And sometime this summer, up to a million Mac users who signed up with Apple will get a look at what's going on. It's pretty shaky now, so I don't think you want to do it. But if you do look at Yosemite, it's a very, very different environment, even though it's still Mac. It's going to be wonderful when it comes through. It's going to be a shot in the arm. The idea of continuity in combination with the IBM deal. And the great thing is, I mean, you know, this IBM Apple deal is the biggest thing that's happened since Beats. Can you imagine? It's um, um, under Tim Cook's wash. It would never have happened under Steve Jobs, of course. What is it? I found out now that they were predicting revenue between 36 and 38 billion. I think they'll reach that. Yeah. And that's a fairly conservative estimate. Apple is always conservative with their guidance. This way, they don't look bad when they would come up in the low to mid range. But if they hit the upper range or exceed expectations in certain areas, wow, gosh, golly, gee whiz. Besides, Mm -hmm. the media, especially the financial media and some elements of the tech media, cannot now say that Samsung is blowing away Apple. It looks like Apple's blowing away Samsung in the markets in which they compete, in the markets in which they compete, very important. Yeah, absolutely. Apple is doing it. It's doing it by focusing always, as it always does focus, on user experiences and customer satisfaction. And Samsung just focuses on Apple. That's a different, just a different thing. Well, it hadn't helped them in a certain court in Northern California. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's helped them in other courts, particularly in the UK. But, um, but hey, you know, um, when, when a judge in the UK says everything's okay and then goes off to be a special advisor for Samsung, you can't help but gossip. Listen, that happens with judges around the world. Mm. Mm. You know, there ought to be mm. a law against that, but there is not a law against that. So there you go. So, okay, so you would expect then Apple to come in at the upper end of their guidance, sell more iPhones somewhat more Macs, but sales for iPads will be flat. Are we summarizing this correctly? 
I, that's kind of my expectation. I wish I had uh, better news or better insight, but at this stage, that really is the best I can deliver. Being conservative about what you deliver, once our listeners see what you did, we'll bring you back and we'll attack you viciously, <laughs> just viciously yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to be it. wrong. <laughs> of course, if they, they attack me viciously anyway, especially because of the paranormal show where everybody is polarized about everything and it gets to be a little bit crazy. But people get to be crazy here about Apple and Google and iOS and all that stuff. And we hear all sorts of opinions, plus and minus. I mean, there's some of saying the Apple-IBM deal is another excuse for Apple to avoid delivering new products, but it has nothing to do with it. It's just a separate thing. It's like, can Apple walk and chew gum at the same time? And I think they can. I, th- I think they can. And also, I think the Apple-IBM deal actually lays a foundation which they're going to use for future products. The way it's going to be, as connected devices proliferate, as we see more wearable technologies become mainstream, as Apple introduces those solutions, it's going to need big data analysis engines to get the best out of those technologies. And this is where Apple and IBM come in. Apple has just filled a giant gap, which enables it to sort of create a, a product infrastructure for the next decade. It's a really big deal, Apple and IBM. And I think we're going to see how big a deal it is sort of come in in incremental forms over the next couple of years. I hope it works out because it's a beautiful deal. It gives Apple the technological basis from which they can build ever more complicated suites of connected device. And I think that's really exciting. Where can we find more of your stuff? Oh, you'll find it at www.computerworld.com. And just look in the blogs and you'll look for Johnny Evans and you'll find me there. I try and come up with something vaguely entertaining, enlightening, informing or educational every single day with an Apple, Apple slant to it. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Go to technightowl.com. Check our portal for many years of episodes of the Tech Night Out Live, and you'll hear the previous appearance from Johnny Evans, the Appleholic, and lots of other stuff. And we have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And our guest this weekend is James Carrion. He's author of The Rosetta Deception, indicating how early efforts at disinformation in the early days of the CIA may have influenced the Soviet perceptions of America and also early sightings of UFOs at Paracast.com, Paracast.com. Johnny Evans, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, and thank you. I've really enjoyed being here. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.